you're listening to the Historical Bookworm Show. For lovers of history and readers of inspirational fiction, join your hosts, Kylie and Darcy, for author interviews, a pinch of the past, and special bookworm reviews. Hi, this is Kylie Woodley. And Darcy Fournier. We have a treat today on the Historical Bookworm podcast. For the first time ever, we're having two guests on. We'll be looking at Until Then by Cindy and Erin Woodsmall. So I'm just going to tell you a little bit about these ladies. Cindy Woodsmall is a New York Times and CBA bestselling author of 26 works of fiction and one nonfiction book. Coverage of Cindy's writing has been featured on ABC's Nightline and the front page of the Wall Street Journal. She lives in the foothills of the North Georgia Mountains with her husband just a short distance from two of her three sons and her six grandchildren. Now, Erin Woodsmall is a writer, musician, wife, and mom of four. She has edited, brainstormed, and researched books with Cindy for almost a decade. More recently, she and Cindy have co-authored five books, one of which was the winner of the prestigious Christie Award. So Cindy and Erin, welcome to the Historical Bookworm Show. Thank you. We are so excited to be here. Yes, thank you for having us. Well, let's get started with something fun. So this will be cool. You can both take a turn answering this question for us. Would you rather take a week's vacation and not do any reading at all or stay at home for a week with nothing to do but read? No chores, no TV or movies, no leaving the house and no writing, just like reading. That's basically all you do all day long. I would choose to stay home for a week and do nothing but read. That would be so much fun. (laughs) You might actually get to the bottom of your to-be-read pile, you know, if you have a whole week. (laughs) Well, you know, might be a little optimistic, but, you know, we might. We might. might. Funny, this is Erin here. I think I would choose the other one. I love reading, but I also have to get out and move to let my mind settle on what I'm reading and enjoying. And also I have four children, so the thought of being in the house with them, even if I'm not having to do chores, is not much of a vacation. Okay, fair enough. That's what I was thinking too. I was like, so if my kids, if they and their dad like took a road trip or something, you know, then I might be able to spend a week reading, but yeah, we would definitely have to have them. They would need to do something fun too. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And the two of you are a mother and daughter-in-law writing team. How did you come to just this process of co-authoring novels? I'll I'll begin. This is Cindy. And Erin was going through a really hard time in life. And Erin, do you mind if I share a little bit about that? Yeah, that's fine. And she was 20 weeks pregnant when she uh, wasn't able to carry the baby due to the baby having issues. And I wanted to help her through that grief. And I wanted to give her something to do that I thought would help her. And, you know, we say a lot of times you shouldn't text uh, deep emotions, but Erin and I really bonded during this time through sharing deep, deep emotions by texting each other. And she could share something that was really hurting her and a grief. And I could take a few hours and think about it and think about what I could share that might be helpful. And during that time, it dawned on me, I really need some help. 
writing this next book and I'm struggling. Erin, if I told you what the chapter is about, could you write a chapter? And she liked the idea because it would give her mind something to focus on for a little bit of time and, and help lift some of that grief away. If anyone who knows, you know, usually at 20 weeks, we, we feel like we're past all the scary parts and you have all your dreams of who this child is going to be. And then to lose that child is just so devastating. And she and my other daughter-in-law were both expecting little girls at the same time in the, in the same month. And it just turned into this really overwhelming grief for all of us. And so this was a way for Erin and I to help each other. She was helping me get written what I needed to. And when she turned in the chapter, I thought it doesn't matter how bad it is. You know, I will hone and I will fix. And I was like, Erin, you could do this. You can really write. You know, and she said, well, I don't. There's a lot of elements I don't know. And I was like, I can teach you the elements. I can teach you that part. All right, Erin, you take off. <laughs> And through that process, this partnership was born. Yes. And we, we um, a lot of people mention the mother-in-law, daughter-in-law, how this is a contentious relationship for many people. And you can see why, but we've never had that type of relationship. Like I met Cindy when I was a teenager and she's been like a, another parent to me and a mentor and a friend. And it's been really amazing to get to do this together. I started doing behind the scenes stuff probably a few years before this. So I was somewhat familiar with the process that she went through, which is a long process to write novels. Like she does not skip on the details. She works really hard on each and every one of her books, but it's been just absolutely a dream to get to do this with her. And I never thought I would be able to. So it's been incredible to get to be mentored by her and go through this process of co-authoring. I think until then is number six. I think so. Yes. So that it's really been a great journey and I've learned so much from her. She's an amazing author and a great friend. So that is such a special thing to share. I love that how you had gotten a taste of this before, but and then she invites you in thinking, well, it'll be good for her. And then she gets your work and it's like, oh, wow, this will be good for me too. <laughs> yes. And you know, I will say my mother told me something when I was very young married. And she came to me and she said, Cindy, I lived my life how I wanted to. You're married. I am not going to offer my opinion about anything unless you ask. And that got deep in my heart. And that's the way I've been with my daughters-in-law. I have two and a third one coming up within a year. And um, it's your life. You live it. I have no judgment. I have no opinions in many, many ways. You know, and Aaron and I talk some. If I feel like something's not being treated, a grandchild is not being treated well or listened to, but I don't have that issue. They're wonderful women with, with very much a servant's heart toward their children. You know, there can be a disagreement of, well, maybe this isn't the best way to handle something, but let me be honest. What do I know? You know, what do any of us know? We're just trying our best and we have to be willing to embrace that it was a person's best. That's a wonderful, wonderful attitude to take. That's actually a beautiful gift that your mother left for your children and their wives by giving that to you. That's that's cool. That leads into my next question. With life so busy, especially Erin, you know, you're a mom of four kids and and Cindy, you're you're a grandmother and and mother as well. What are some things that you two do to kind of help keep yourself grounded and peaceful? I feel like life is so crazy these days, but what, what do you do to help keep yourself centered? 
Erin, would you like to begin since sure. I've been taking up the I most will. time? <laughs> I I actually got a job recently at a nature center and I love spending time in nature and it's been really lovely for me. I go running or hiking most every day and it's been like an inside joke that this is running prayers because it's a way of feeling more centered and at peace and being able to take a breath and getting away from all of the craziness. And I'm lucky enough to live in uh, the North Georgia foothills where it's just really, it's really a nice place to be. Very beautiful. Yes. I feel like Erin helps me stay grounded. She helps me go, you know, she will say, you need to get out. You need to go for a walk. You need, Or have you gone for your walk? That really helps me. Another thing that helps me is just to talk with my family, you know, and, and get grounded in everyone's doing well, everyone's doing uh, enjoying their life or they need a little bit of help here. And that helps me stay grounded. And my life isn't near as busy, you know, with an empty nest as you ladies have right now. <laughs> so it's easier to stay grounded and just go outside and sit and enjoy the beauty. And I particularly love going out at night when you can see the stars and and open yourself up to how vast this universe is and how small our problems sometimes are in comparison. Cindy's backyard is really gorgeous. It overlooks the mountains and it has just a really nice view. So yes, I can see. I love having chats with her on her back porch. And it's just a really nice place to be. Very peaceful. I love how both of you are specifically mentioning nature, you know, getting outside as a way to draw closer to God and also calm your heart a little bit. I think I think that's very wise. Yes, I really do think it helps us far more than we realize. Because when we hit a hard time, our mind can go back to the beauty of the aromas and the flowers and the dirt under our feet and bring us back. Even though we can't get outside, it will come back to us. Yeah. Well, that was very inspirational and it really leads into our next question. Is there anything especially interesting that you haven't covered in other interviews that you could share with us? Or perhaps there's something that God has laid on your heart that you would like to share with your readers? I think something um, you, I've never covered in talking with readers, but I do get asked this question and answer it individually, is that the Amish don't live in a commune. They don't live in where they all have their houses in the same subdivision or anything. They're just scattered out like seasoning over the land, and but they choose to live the way they live. And I think the thing that God has put on my heart since the very beginning is life is, can be very hard. Let's look at the harshness and look at different ways people overcome that through their faith and through going through the hard times. You know, we, we can't get past them. Yeah, without the hard times. And we wouldn't have anything to compare that to. I was talking to my dad on the phone earlier this morning and we were praying about some things and I was like, you know, dad, without pain and having harshness and suffering in our life, we wouldn't really see our need for God. And sometimes the harder life is or the more pain we're going through, the deeper the need and in turn, the deeper our love for him. And I love that honesty because, yeah, like you say, life life is hard, but there can be purpose and hope in it because of what God does for us and in us and who he is. 
This is actually a theme that we explore in this book, and I hope you and our audience would enjoy some of that um, because the main character is going through a really, really hard time and he doesn't know why he has no answers and he has to figure out a way to use that. That can be the hard part too is, yeah, when you don't see why, there can be these things that come up. So I feel like that's going to be something very relatable for us to explore as we read this story. I'm getting excited about this. Deep themes get me excited about a book. But let's go ahead and read the blurb so that our listeners are caught up with what we're talking about here. This book is called Until Then. In 1985, Old Order Amish couple Celeste and Vin Lance have been married for six years. Vin is a carpenter by trade, but an artist in his heart. He is especially captivated by drawing portraits, which the Amish consider idolatry. Knowing they could be shunned, Celeste is shocked to discover that Vin has secretly been sketching her and their sons. When she confronts Vin, they argue and Vin storms off and seems to disappear, leaving Celeste to wonder if he chose his art over his family. When he leaves the house that night, Vin seeks peace on his favorite mountain overlook, but he takes a fall and wakes to find himself injured and lost. Vin soon realizes just how far he has traveled, not only in distance, but back in time to 1822 Ohio, a place that provides the freedom he craved, but where he is separated from his beloved wife and children. Vin is saved by the kindness of strangers and gradually learns to survive and even uses skills to help his new friends in this unfamiliar time and place. But all the while, he prays desperately for God to return him to his family before Celeste makes a new life without him. Wow. So I'm loving the intrigue of a married couple being separated by a time slip rather than a single person slipping in time and finding love. What themes did you explore through this idea of time travel? One of the themes is the title of the book, Until Then. Then prays, learns to pray, you know, God help me get back home. But until then, May I do as you've as you ask, as you want, as you need, fill in, you know, where he is in his praying. And I feel like that's a part of all of our lives. We get in places that it's not where we want to be. It may not be where God wants us to be at that very exact moment, but I'm here, God. What can I do with my time? And I want to mention you read in 1985, and this is going to be important for readers because they may feel like, well, Amish don't feel that drawing faces is idolatry anymore. And that's true. That's why we began the book in 1985, part of the reason. And it was considered idolatry and he was doing it behind everyone's back. And so when his wife finds out, they argue like never before. And then he disappears and she doesn't know why. And it's very hard on each of them But in his heart, she thinks he may have just left her and the boys. But in his heart, he's like, please get me back. But until then, and he lands in a time that is right before the abolitionist movement began. And they are having movement, but it's not a named movement yet. And he helps join in that because historically, the Amish, the Mennonites, and the Quakers were very uh, pro-freedom for all mankind. Ah, see, that's something that you don't hear about so much when you think of the modern Amish. We think, I feel like, as if the Amish are a community of people like trapped in time, uh, for lack of a better phrase. But 
they have changed over the years, as you said, you know, now drawing portraits isn't considered idolatry. So what was life like for the Amish in 1822? How was that different from how they tend to live today? They were very, um, Aaron, help me word this right. If I get it wrong, they were very social minded, rights minded. All people are created equal. That's why they don't use um, Mr. or Mrs. Everyone goes by a first name, including the teachers in today's Amish schools. Everyone goes by a first name only. And they were very active in trying to free slaves and make the Underground Railroad. And all of those things were very, very important to them at that time. We get into the history of Pennsylvania and Ohio and how at the time crossing a state border meant freedom because of the different rules in each of those states. And we also looked at like how those communities work together. There were multiple Pennsylvania Dutch communities at the time in Pennsylvania. Some really interesting historical research that we did. And we tried to get all of the all of these details correct to make sure that our Amish in that time period were acting appropriately and speaking appropriately as much as we could. Wow, that's fascinating. As a writer and a a reader of historical fiction, I really appreciate your dedication to the historical detail. It's not often that we see a romance centered around a married couple. So how did you approach the writing of the romance thread with them spending a significant amount of time apart? Well, it had to begin with showing who Celeste and Vin were as a couple, how deeply in love they were, how well they worked together as a husband and wife team, um, their dreams that they were working on so that people could really see that they still have this honeymoon romance going on, even though they've been married six years and they have two children. And so that was the start of it. And then for them to be separated, and yet Celeste thinks, has he died? Has he left me? Did he prefer the world over our Amish community and his family? So that has that tug of romance and she's unsure. And um, of course we can see him. He's like, what have I done? That's such a bad husband that here I am. How do I get back and make up for these things? So that has a lot of uh, tension and romance in it. And then of course, though Celeste does have to come to terms that he's gone And she has someone in her life that could also be a romantic interest. And we have to follow that thread as Vin is trying desperately to get back. I feel like as a reader, when I am reading a book with a romance thread, I want to see why they're a good couple. And then I want to see the external conflicts that are forcing them apart to where it feels impossible for them to get back together. Because then that makes the reunion or them getting together so much more. And we brought in all of these elements, even though they are separated through time. I don't want to give any spoilers, but there are a few um, miraculous elements in the book where these two, as we see them yearn for each other and long to be together, that we see why they are so good together. But it's, it was a lot of fun. And it definitely has a romance feel, even though it's unconventional in the setup. And we also have a romance field because there's a young man, his name is Josiah, who runs into this woman who she accidentally, no, I I won't say accidentally, she time slipped from 1822 to 1985 
while trying to get a little boy back who slipped through time the same way his dad did. And so she's trying to get him back and she meets him and they have some real love interest there. And then we have another love interest of George who he and his son Tandy escaped slavery, but his wife is still a slave. Can they get her out? Can they get her back to him? So you have a lot of people who really love and respect one another who are separated for different reasons. And that really carries the romance element throughout the story. I didn't realize we had these extra threads. The blurb doesn't give all this away, but it's just sounding better and better. <laughs> no, the blurb doesn't give it away. I try to try to get my publisher to be very careful about the blurb. I know sometimes I read a blurb that's so involved. I'm like, do I need to read the book now? Mm-hmm. <laughs> true. That's true. <laughs> so I don't want that to happen. <laughs> Well, it's just a great thing that you're doing interviews like this that we can share. (laughs) Yes, I agree. I could not agree more. (laughs) That is so cool. And I actually kind of like that we are exploring the romance elements of people, you know, kind of separated because we would hope, and I think that as Christians, we should expect that, you know, love is going to be strong enough to survive some distance and separation if necessary, because life brings us all kinds of crazy things. So I think that's that's going to be really sweet and really strong too. Yes, I may re- pick up an Amish romance for the first time in I don't know how many years. It's been a long time. So, <laughs> Well, what is next for your writing? We were talking before we got on, you mentioned you had two stories that were this um, Amish time slip thread. So what's next for you guys? Well, first, let me say the two stories are not related. They are not a series of any sort. They have totally different characters, totally different ways of slipping through time. And so um, that way, when people pick up one book, they can just enjoy that one book and not be concerned with, is the other one out yet? You know, is there more? Um, Our next book that we're working on is a romance between a young man who left the Amish to get his EMT, but he left his romantic partner thinking she was going to be able to wait for him. And they had all sorts of uh, misunderstanding. But we love this story because she uh, works with rescue dogs, a lot of them. And then she's trying to protect this pair of English children who are Uh, Their dad beat up their mom and she's good friends with the mom and she's trying to keep them safe. And this other guy who is EMT comes back in after she's found someone. So we have that romantic thread going on along with the preciousness of all those dogs. Oh, wow. That sounds like a fun story. It's contemporary set, I'm guessing, like present day or? Yes, it will be present day. It'll be 2023 in the story. Yes. Well, I'm glad that Until Then has, uh, you know, the historical thread. So we got to chat with you ladies about it. And for our listeners, Cindy and Erin are offering a copy of Until Then. To enter, you can check out our website, historicalbookworm.com. I'm also putting a direct link to this giveaway in the show notes for this episode. Well, ladies, thank you once again for joining us. Where can we and our listeners connect more with you? Uh, Facebook is a great place. It's just Cindy Woodsmall or author Cindy Woodsmall. I also have a website, cindywoodsmall.com. Those are great ways to connect. Thank you for coming on the show and just spending time chatting about this release until then. Thank you so much. Even with all the research I've done with the Amish, I was very surprised at how deep into helping 
free slaves they were in the 1800s. So that was fascinating to me. Yeah, I'm excited that you get to share their story. Thank you. You've been listening to the Historical Bookworm Show, where history meets fiction. For more information, find us at historicalbookworm.com.